All right, let's all stand together, Joshua chapter 23. And uh, uh, this chapter is only 16 verses. Uh, we're beginning, the, we're winding down the book of Joshua. And uh, why don't you help me? You, you, I'll read the odd verses and you help me with the even verses. We'll go ahead and read all 16 uh, just so we understand the context of the message. And we'll go back in and fill in and the different points of our sermon this morning. Uh, beginning in verse number 1. And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about, that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off even into the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And you shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised unto you. Be therefore very courageous to keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left, that ye come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. But cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. For the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you, as he hath promised you. Take good heed therefore unto yourselves, that ye love the Lord your God. Else if ye do in any wise go back, and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they to you. Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. But they shall be snares and traps unto you, and scourges in your sides, and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. Therefore it shall come to pass that as all good things are come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things, until he have destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods, and bowed yourselves to them, 
Then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and ye shall perish quickly from off the good land which he hath given unto you. I want us to go back to verse number 11. And as I study Joshua 23, this is where the Lord directed my heart as really the theme of this particular passage. It says, Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves, that ye love the Lord your God. And that is my encouragement to you this morning, the title of my message, Let Us Love the Lord. Father, we've come now to this time in our service where we gather for the preaching of your word. Lord, it is your word that contains the promises that gets us through each and every day. Lord, it's your word that offers us the path to victory. And I pray today that you'd help me to deliver a message that is a help to everyone that has ears to hear today. Lord, I pray that you'll get our attention this morning. Let us, let us look in our own hearts and life. Let us realize your goodness. And let us also recognize the warnings that, is give, that Joshua gives unto your people. And I pray, Lord, that you would direct our hearts to the truth. Help us minister to us. Save that lost sinner today. And bring back that individual who has turned away. I pray this in the name of our Savior, the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. As we just read, things are winding down with Joshua's relationship with the people of Israel. Uh, we, we, we discovered him in the book of Numbers, and uh, he was one of the 12 spies that God, that Moses sent over into the promised land to spy out the land. He, we, we see him throughout the wilderness journey, and then in Joshua chapter 1, God, after the death of Moses, has now placed him in a leadership role. And it was there that the Lord said, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And Joshua found that to be true. He saw that over the course of his life. And so that now he is at a place where he is no longer looking forward, because forward his days are numbered. He's looking backward a little bit, and he's encouraging the children of Israel to, go, to keep going forward and keep walking with the Lord. In chapter 24, he's going to deal with them as a nation, and he's going to speak of God's covenant with his people. Here, he's gathered the people together, but he's speaking to those in leadership. In verse number 2, he's speaking to those who are elders, those who are heads of their families, judges, and their officers. And he is old and stricken in age. He knows that his time is now short. And what God has called him to do, he has seen God provide the victory time and time again. 
And so we find in chapter 23 and chapter 24 his last words. And last words are something that are very special. Amen? They are, they are something, especially when one knows that his days are numbered, right? And, and I, re, I can recall a number of conversations, meaningful conversations, that I've had with friends and loved ones and the things that were said where we just, uh, put, we just put everything else aside and uh, we recognized uh, that uh, this was a very special time that we had together. And uh, I cannot stand in this pulpit and not think of Pastor Lewis's, one of his last messages that he preached and uh, where the well-known phrase, it's all about the gospel, right? And, and we, we saw him deliver his most sincerest of hearts, and I was thankful to be here that day. I was uh, I was sitting up in the balcony and got here right after church had started, and got to hear uh, him deliver that message. Well, when you look in the Bible, we find different things that are said. We can look at Jacob and uh, his final words, and I, I think of Moses who said in Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27, The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. He had led them to the promised land. He had led them to the river. And God said, I'm not going to let you enter in. And so Moses in his final in his final message to the people of Israel, he's telling them, he says, I want you to keep going. Amen? I want you to keep going because God is about to do something unique and special for all of you. He is our refuge. Underneath are the everlasting arms of God. And he will take care of the enemies that surround us. Well... When we look at Joshua's message here to the leaders of Israel, I, I focus on the reasons why he tells us to love the Lord. And in verse number 3, we find he tells us to love the Lord because of all he has done. Read with me again verse number 3. He says, And ye have seen... All that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. You have things that you can look back on. And you can see the goodness and the faithfulness of God. For them, they could look back to the crossing of the Jordan River. Remember how we got to this land. We crossed over when God parted the river and we, walk, we all walked across. Those are some big days. Are you with me? Uh, we, can, we, we often we look back on those big days. You could look back on the, uh, on the way that he took down the walls of Jericho. How are we going to even enter into Jericho, much less fight the people? And God just says, I want you to march around it, right? And march around it one time for six days. And on the seventh day, march it around it seven times. And when you get done, blow the trumpets and shout with a loud shout. 
and the walls came tumbling down, right? And God provided great victory. Those are only God moments. Are you with me? Those are only God moments. You can't, nobody can take credit for that. That was God. You can, uh, they could go back and look at when they fought, uh, when we, they fought their enemies in Gibeon. And the Lord sent great hailstones and fire down from heaven that the Bible says that there were more that were killed from the hailstones than they were from the sword of the Israelites. And remember that? Joshua prayed for God and, and God caused the sun to stand still until all of their enemies were overtaken. Those are some big days. Amen? Well, what has God done in your life? Think of the big days. Well, I hope at the top of the list is the day that you came to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? I'm, I'm not talking about the day that you prayed a prayer. I'm talking about, I'm talking about when you realized you were, were a sinner without hope and without God. And you were a sinner destined for an eternity in hell. And you recognized that there was no hope for you apart from what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary. That, that without the cross, you are, you are eternally separated from God. But whether it was a preacher in a church service, whether it was in a little room in the, in the jail, or whether it was in your bedroom late at night with your parents or somebody just sat down in the living room and shared the gospel with you. That day, you repented of your sins, and you asked Jesus Christ to become your Lord and Savior. Come on, people. Wake up. Was that a good day? Thank you. That's a special day in our life. And if you ever get discouraged, if you ever get tired and you ever get weary of going forward and going forward and going forward, and the battle sometimes is difficult, go back to the big day where Jesus Christ saved you. Do you remember the day where you came forward, and maybe you came forward at the end of the church service, and uh, you stood in front of the church, and you told the church that you had accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? I remember I got saved on a Thursday night in my bedroom. On Friday night, there was a room over here to the side of the auditorium. And the, and the men gathered together for a time of prayer before the service. I had an orange shirt with green sleeves that had the number seven on it. And I walked into that room and I told those men as an eight-year-old boy, I got saved last night. And at the end of the service, brother Pastor Mitchell... Uh, he was an older gentleman. He came, he, he stood right there with me in front of the auditorium. And, uh, and that night I told the church, I got saved last night. And uh, that was on a Thursday night. And on a Sunday morning, uh, I went up there to the baptistry. And I professed my faith in Jesus Christ. And I followed the Lord in believer's baptism. That is a special day. Because it set the course of my life. Let me ask you a question this morning before we go any further. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you repented from your sins so that you recognize I was on a course headed for hell and I wanted God to change my life and change my direction? That is an important part of your salvation. 
It's more than just listening to someone and praying a prayer. It's recognizing that without Christ, you have no hope. There is no, there is no eternity in the, in the blessing of God. There is an eternity separated from the goodness of God. And so I re- you repent of your sins and you say, God, I want a new direction in my life. And from this day forward, I want to walk with you. And I want you to help me. And sometimes I want you to pick me up and carry me so that together we can experience the victory that, you've get, that you desire to give us. Those are some big days. Amen? Big days. First time you lead somebody to Jesus Christ and you see them get saved. I want to tell you something. God used you to reach someone and to snatch some soul out of hell and point him to Jesus and get him to heaven. That is a big day, Ricky. It's a big day. Those are special times. We have big days in church services and, 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 and people gather together. We're going to have baby dedication Coming up on uh, September the 25th, we have 25 children right now that are going to be dedicated in a couple of weeks. That's a big day, man. That's good. Easter services, that's, those are big days. God answering our prayers. That is, I, I, what I'm saying is those are all things, Randolph, that we can look back over our life and we can say, God's been good to me. I love the Lord because of all He has done. Amen? I, I cannot believe Jimmy picked that song for the choir this morning. For all he's done. we got a reason to love the Lord. But let me ask you this, BJ. What about the days that aren't so big? What about the common days where we're just plodding along and we're just trying to raise our families and we're just trying to do, take care of our responsibilities and pay our bills? Is God not good in those days? Listen, Joshua, Joshua could look back and he could look back over the course of his life and he can remember when he went over in the promised land and they came back with that big cluster of grapes and they showed all the people, this is, this is the fruit of the land. This is what God has for us. This is what God wants to offer all of us. And he can remember the ten who sought out to discourage the hearts of everyone else so that they just said, we can't go and we don't want to go and we don't want to fight and we don't want to experience the power and blessing of God. We're just happy right where we are. And they ended up wandering in all that wilderness for the next 38 years. God was just waiting for all of them to die so that he could get their children over into the promised land. But even during all of that plotting, all of that toil when they were in the the wilderness, and Joshua was thinking, if we could just get over there, if we could just get there, my, how good God is. And when they got thirsty, they drank water from a rock. And when they wanted meat, God sent quails in abundance. When they wanted bread, he sent the manna. I'm telling you something. God is good and just he's faithful and he is holy and he is perfect in all of the days of our life. 
Therefore, Darren, we ought to love the Lord because all he has done. Amen? Then I want you to see that we need to love the Lord because of all his promises. He says in verse 4, Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off even into the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised unto you. Let's move ahead to verse number 13 and let's read that verse as well. Joshua says, Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of those nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. God offers promises. He also offers warnings. But he said in verse number 4 and 5, he said, God is going to drive out your enemy. You follow him. You love him. You serve him. You be faithful to the cause that God has given you. You worship him. You offer unto him. You bless his name. You praise his name. You seek him out. You follow his ways. He promises to take care of you. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. That's a promise of God. Zach, John says, I have confidence in this. Whatever I ask according to the will of God, he hears me. Amen? And I know this, that God is able to meet each and every need, and he's able to do it exceedingly far above all that we could ask or think. That's a promise of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 Verse 3 through 5 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Aren't you glad that your worst day in earth is going to be your worst day for eternity? Amen? Because he says that he's begotten us to a lively hope, not a dead hope, not a hope-so hope, a real hope because of the resurrection of Christ. And that our inheritance is not only incorruptible and undefiled and fades not away, but it's reserved in heaven for us. Not because we're keeping our reservation, but because we're kept by the power of God through faith. Amen? John chapter 14. I want to give you this promise. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus said. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And Gary, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And, the, and whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Jesus said, don't be troubled, amen? He says, I'm taking care of you. I'm preparing a place for you. And I'm going to come back and get you. In John chapter 6, verses 37 through 40, Jesus again says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Speaking of the last day, I want to read you 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 57. Paul says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal should have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I remember as a young, young preacher boy, we had a guy in his, our church, his name was Randall Butler. And uh, Randall Butler was, was quite a character before he got saved. And uh, that man just fell in love with the Lord. And uh, he had a bad heart. And uh, he, he was waiting for a heart transplant, and he eventually got it. And uh, his prayer was always, he'd stand up and testify this. Jackie, he would say, uh, he, he wanted the Lord to keep him around until, until the rapture came. He wanted to be a part of the rapture, you know. And uh, his, his heart transplant worked pretty good for a, for a time. And eventually the complications of it overcame him. And uh, I was uh, preaching at a, uh, another local church in the community there that Sunday morning. And I got the phone call right before the service that Randall had passed away. And I was uh, on my way to church. And my, uh, my immediately thinking, Sawyer, was this. Did I miss the rapture? That was my thought. Did I miss the rapture? You know, as I grew in the Word of God, I recognized this, Cecil. Living or dead, we're all going to be a part of the rapture if we're in Jesus Christ. Amen? Randall, one day he's going to be a part of it. Because the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen? And then we which all which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to, in the air to meet them and to the Lord. Then I want you to see this in Joshua 23. Love the Lord enough to keep his word. It's one thing to love him because of all he's done. 
It's another to love him because of his promises. But are you willing to love him enough to simply submit to his word? Joshua says in verse 6, Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Joshua was told those words in verses 8 and 9 in Joshua chapter 1. It's going to take some courage to stand with a book and stand against the world. Are you with me? It's going to take some courage to stand with God and to stand with His Word. Do you love Him enough to do so? He says... At the end of verse 6, that you turn not aside, therefore, to the right hand or to the left. That you come not among these nations, these that remain among you. Neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them, but cleave unto the Lord your God, as ye have done Unto this day. Oh, Barnabas, when he went to the church at Antioch and he saw them that were saved, that's what he told them cleave unto the Lord. God Himself said in the book of Genesis, when He brought Eve unto Adam, that they were to leave father and mother and to cleave to one another. Are you with me? He says, be very courageous. Stick with the word of God. There ought to be a difference, obvious difference, between a believer and an unbeliever. An obvious difference. He says, with all the nations that remain, be careful. Be careful when you're among them. That you don't make mention of their gods or begin to swear by their gods or serve their gods or bow unto them. Stick with the one who loved you and saw you through. And for us, the one who saved us and the one that has offered us all of these precious promises to get us through this life. If you repented of your sins, Steve... If you repent of your sins and you recognize that is the wrong direction that I'm going. And I'm sick of this life and I'm sick of living like this. I'm sick of being on, I'm sick of being on the run. I'm sick of always looking over my shoulder. I'm, I, I'm sick of, of, uh, of feeling guilty and troubled. I'm sick of this. And if Jesus offers me forgiveness and peace, why do I want to still go this way? Repent. I turn to God. And I see my Jesus hanging there on the cross because He loved me. And He gave Himself for me. And I start going to Him. Start going to one who says he's going to take care of me, that he's given me the victory, and that one day this, this corruption will be put away and I'll put on incorruptible. 
And he's got a place for me reserved in heaven that he's preparing a place for me right now. And he promises to not let my heart be troubled, but to just believe him and to go with him. And one day he's going to give me the victory over all of this flesh and all of this curse and all of this world. Why? Why would we ever want to turn around and go back? Why would we ever want to go back to the world and their gods? And the heartache and the suffering, why would we ever want to go back there? But Joshua recognized, people do it. And we recognize this morning, people do it all the time. Solid people, soul winning people, men who stood behind a pulpit, people that you've worked with and prayed with, and you've sought them out to pray with you. At some point, they just made a decision. I'm going to hang back here a little bit. Watch what Joshua tells them in his warning. He gives them the blessing of obedience in verse 9. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong. But as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand. Isn't that something? If God is with us, who can be against us? Amen? That's what he's saying there. Because of God, nobody can stand before you. One of you shall chase a thousand. Not because you're somebody, not because you're strong or you're super spiritual, but because the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you, as he hath promised you. It's hard enough at times to get through this life. Could you imagine going through this life without God? Could you imagine going through this life without being able to lean on the promises? Can you imagine to go through this life and not know what Scripture says? How that God fights for those who love Him and are faithful and serve Him. The Lord will fight for you. He'll fight for you. But he wraps up this discourse with a curse of disobedience. He tells us in verse 11, Take good heed therefore in yourselves. Pay attention to this. I can't snap my fingers very loudly. I can't do this. He's getting our attention. Listen. Take good heed that you love the Lord your God. Don't turn around and go back the other way. Joshua saw God's people led out of Egypt 
gets exactly where God wants them to go, and they say, nope, I don't want that in my life. And they choose, they choose the rest of their lives to blame God for everything that goes wrong. He warns them. Read with me verse 12. Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you shall make marriages with them and go unto them and they to you. Meaning if you go back to the ones that I have dr driven out, the, the unbelievers, the one who curse God, and want nothing to do with God. And you'd rather go hang out with them. And bond with them. He says, verse 13, Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. But they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. If you want to go back, you know what he's saying there? God will let you go back. He'll let you go. But he's not going to fight for you. He's not going to fight for you. You want to go back on your own? You want to live life your own way? You'll fight your battle. Amen? You see that? In the Garden of Eden, he created a perfect paradise where there was no sin, there was no death, no darkness, none of those things. There was no curse upon the face of the earth. He says, you can do whatever you want to. Just don't do one little thing. Just don't eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the great deceiver came along in the form of a serpent and said, God's just trying to keep you from something. God doesn't really love you. He's keeping you from, he just doesn't want you to be like him. And Eve looked at that fruit, something that she had always despised and never wanted anything to do with. But because of the deceiver and the temptation and the way she began to look at that, she saw that it was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. And she tasted and gave it to her husband and both did eat. God says, I have everything for you. But if you want to, you can go your own way. But be sure, punishment will come. He goes on, and we'll wrap up. Verse 14, Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come unto pass unto you. 
and not one thing hath failed thereof. Therefore it shall come to pass that as all good things are come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you evil things till they have destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed yourselves to them, and shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and you shall perish from off the good land which he hath given you. Now I'm thankful for grace, aren't you? I'm thankful for God's mercy. And I'm thankful that he saves us. And as I mentioned earlier in his promises, that he's the one that preserves us and he's the one that keeps us. And we're not kept by our own power, we're kept by the power of God. But we can get to heaven with great joy or we can get to heaven struggling every step of the way. Stick. Don't ever go back, man. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You know, we can stand up and we can testify, I love the Lord because of what he's done. And we can stand up and testify, I love the Lord because of the promises in his word. God loves me. The real question is, do we love the Lord enough That as Christ said there in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. Do we love him enough to submit to his word? That's the real test for all of us. Let's bow our heads and stand to our feet this morning while the musicians come. I want a few people at the balcony this morning. Give me a few people with a Bible at the back of the auditorium, if you would. Have you saw yourself who you really are? A sinner desperate for God needing a change in your life but to this day you've always chosen your own path sometimes people make the mistake well they recognize the goodness of God and they recognize that Jesus loves them but how they get to him, they want to choose their own path. And there's only one way. That's to come to Christ. Knowing he died on the cross for your sins. loves you and he wants to forgive you and that even though he died 
He had power over death. He had power over the grave. He has power over hell. And on the third day, he rose again. And the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But that little two-letter word in there, if, gives us a choice. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around.